Are you still trying to reinvent the wheel? Tens of thousands of professionals have attempted to solve the same challenges you're dealing with right now. Some of them failed, some of them succeeded. But very few of them succeeded and captured their proven approach to share it with the world. Mike Kunkel is one of these very few. He has been an enabler for over 30 years and has captured his proven approach in an extremely successful framework called the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement. Mike and I have now translated the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement framework into a learning experience that helps a new generation of enablement teams fast-track their journey to sales enablement mastery. Our combination of group coaching sessions, actionable video lessons, materials, resources, networking opportunities and templates makes mastering sales enablement best practices faster and easier than it has ever been before. So if you want to stop reinventing the wheel, maximize business impact and fast-track your career, consider joining a growing community of enablers at the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement Learning Experience. To learn more, visit goffwd.com slash blocks. That's goffwd.com slash b-l-o-c-k-s. Ho, ho, ho. Felix Krüger here. Sales Enablement Live. Another episode. Another week, another episode. I am excited to be sharing some new insights with you. Uh, we've got an action-packed episode. Uh, what we will be looking at is insights from the latest podcast episode featuring Mike Kunkel. Awesome episode. I cannot recommend uh, listening in enough. There's just so much gold in this episode. He talks about his uh, book, The Building Blocks of Sales Enablement. So anybody who wants to listen to somebody who's got over 30 years of experience in sales enablement. Uh, Mike Kunkel is your man, and he's really he's really shared so many um, valuable insights uh, with me in our conversations. Definitely recommend listening in. We will also take a look at some of the some of the key insights uh, from that episode in our live stream today. And we will also look at some research that seismic has uh, released this last week this episode is not sponsored by seismic or anything i just uh, thought it might be worthwhile uh, taking a look at it and also sharing my viewpoint on some of the data points uh, that have been shared but before i i talk about the agenda points that i just mentioned i also wanted to uh, take a minute to talk about all the jobs that have been popping up in the sales enablement space in the last few weeks. And oh my God, there's so many sales enablement jobs going at the moment. I, I also talked to a lot of sales enablers who have recently switched jobs and um, have been looking for jobs. And there seems to be so much opportunity out there. So I think for anybody who is already in sales enablement, there is great demand uh, for your skills out there. And it's also good news for anybody considering going into sales enablement because a lot of organizations start seeing uh, the value of the function and i think especially in australia what we're seeing now is that more and more organizations are now jumping on the bandwagon and are looking for talent in the sales enablement space but yeah i think especially if you're based in america and listening to this i think america from my point of view and i speak to sales enablers on my podcast all the time and outside of my podcast as well but the impression that I have and what's been validated over and over again is that America far more advanced than any other market out there in the sales enablement space. And I think that's a great opportunity for any U.S. 
sales enablers out there who might be considering working overseas for some time. So I think if you're considering Australia as a location, there will be definitely a market where you can where you can enjoy a great lifestyle, capitalize on your on your sales enablement experience, and yeah, maybe spend some time in Down Under. But yeah, let's let's talk about the Mike Kunkel episode. And for anybody who hasn't read his book, I would highly recommend uh, checking it out because I think there's there's so much gold contained in that. And I read a lot of sales books and sales enablement books, and I think this one is really the most succinct yet detailed and holistic view on sales enablement that I've come across, and it's been captured in a book. There are so many anecdotes and um, insights contained in this book. And also, it's just really succinctly summarized what those building blocks of sales enablement are. So I think anybody who really wants to get the full picture and get that from somebody who's got so much experience as Mike Kunkel, who's been working in startups as well as big corporates, I think this is a great book to, great book to get involved in. So I would certainly highly recommend having a look. But before I talk any further about my conversation with Mike Kunkel, I just want to share a couple of snippets um, of our conversation. What I described probably seems like an elephant. And the old joke is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So there's, I'll do a two-part answer here. Part one, officially, I always recommend start with a gap analysis. Do a situation assessment. I suggest moving through the blocks, assessing each one. Doesn't have to be deep and painful, but how are you doing with each of these blocks? And figure out what's in place today, how well are you doing, what's good enough for now. I, I actually coined a, an acronym, G-E-F-N, I call GEFN for good enough for now years ago, because I, I was working at a startup at the time. And man, if we tried to do all of this stuff, we would have just exploded. So sometimes you have to start with what's good enough for now, and then where are your biggest gaps? Then you can start to think about, okay, how do I prioritize to close these gaps? And you can do that based on what you think will best support your company's current strategic and tactical plans, right? Knowing you're working very closely with a sales leader, what are their primary goals for the year? And then which of the building blocks would best support those plans? And so general, in general, that's a great performance consulting starting point to get started. You do a gap analysis, you find the biggest gaps, you try to sync those gaps to the current objectives, and you can start to create a phased plan. All right. Yeah. I think Mike touches on a couple of things there that I want to talk about. So I think, first of all, to note what he says about creating the gap analysis and making the holistic nature of the gap analysis more of a focus than the in-depth or detailed uh, review of all of those uh, building blocks. I think that's a really interesting point that he mentions there, just simply because, and I think that's really a reflection of the fact that Mike has worked in uh, startups early on in his career, where oftentimes, and I appreciate that because I'm now running my second uh, startup, that oftentimes uh, good enough for now um, has to be the priority and you cannot fall into the trap of analysis paralysis. So I think what I often experience in corporate environments, especially with big corporates, is that the development of a sales enablement strategy seems to be a very long-winded uh, and elaborate process. And I think the, the danger of approaching a sales enablement strategy in this way is that there's two parts to it. And number one, things might change by the time you 
have finished uh, your strategy. Markets move very quickly these days. And also the stakeholders that you involve uh, might shift their priorities along the way. And then uh, the second issue with that is obviously that you don't uh, arrive at the benefit of your sales enablement strategy as quickly as you could. Sales enablement is a long game, but at the same time, especially if you if you work for a company that really needs to deliver results fast, and that's there'll be any uh, publicly listed company or any company that is in the startup phase or a fast growth phase, you really don't want to spend too much time months and months on the strategy, but you want to develop the strategy fast so you can then implement it fast. Because if you think of how you arrive uh, at the benefit of sales enablement, you do through the auditing process, you do the analysis, you then develop the strategy and formalize initiatives, prioritize those initiatives, then get the stakeholders involved that you hopefully have aligned with in the first place to actually implement those uh, initiatives. And then eventually sales actually gain the benefits. They are equipped with certain content, certain tools. They're being trained and coached. And then after they've gone through deal cycles a few times, then you slowly start seeing the benefits, right? So when you think about that sort of process, there can be a whole lot of time gone by, even if you are fast in developing your strategy in actually arriving at the benefits of sales enablement. And I think the strategy has to be succinct. It has to be robust, uh, but you cannot spend months on developing your strategy. And I think that review of the building blocks and actually identifying what's good enough for now and then moving fast and actually and actually identifying the priorities based on what the sales organization has on their agenda and what sort of capabilities you have in-house, that's a... That's from my point of view, the best practice strategy approach that I come across and that I also practice um, with my clients over and over again. Yeah. So that's the first snippet. And let's take a listen into the next one. There's a message at the top of the page that makes me clap every time I read it. Helping you master the best of what other people have already figured out. Felix, that's how we stop wasting time and stop reinventing the wheel, right? Sharpen the ax before you start chopping down the tree, or it's Einstein's advice about spend more time defining the problem than working on the solution. Those who don't know history, doomed to repeat it, don't be that enabler. I think we can do better. The concept of sharpening the ax, I think, and not repeating the, the mistakes, the same mistakes that... Uh, you know, others have made over and over again. I think that's a really interesting concept, especially in a fast-growing space like sales enablement. What in a lot of communities, especially in those that are Slack-based, is that I come across the same questions that are being asked over and over again. And it seems like rather than actually researching what's already out there and uh, reading up on the body of knowledge that has been built at this point in time around sales enablement, even though it might not be a, a very formal body of knowledge yet, I think there's so much information out there that uh, should stop, especially sales enablers that are new to the profession, to ask those same questions over and over again. So I think it is definitely worthwhile before engaging Slack groups or yeah, those Slack-based communities and uh, just firing off questions and then just hoping for a good answer to come back. I think it's really worthwhile to activate those rich resources that are out there. And I think from my point of view, there's a few go-to options. There's this book's like my Kunkels that I would uh, highly recommend. Uh, there's a few go-to options uh, that I would recommend to any 
sales enabler, including uh, the books from Mike Kunkel, Tamara Schenk, and Roderick Jefferson. The, I think the, the three most succinct ones or most of people who have real world experience in that space and have been able to really greatly summarize the experience in those books. So I think if you read those books, you already have a lot of ground covered and they have varying degrees of conceptual language in there and varying degrees of real world examples. I think the book that has the most real world examples and anecdotes is the one by Roderick Jefferson. And the one by Tamara Schenk is probably the most theoretical, I would say. My Kunkel is somewhere in the middle, but I would in each case recommend reading all three. And then, of course, there is also all kinds of online resources out there. Trust Enablement is a great community run by John Moore. There's more and more information there that is being captured for the community to take advantage of information that has been curated and isn't lost like it would typically be case in those Slack groups. And by the way, I think there's still value in those Slack groups. It probably sounds like I'm quite negative towards them, but I think that the the danger of those Slack groups is just that there is a whole lot of things being repeated and solved over and over again with varying degrees of, of success. Yeah, I think those those community forums like that actually capture information and provide resources, they, they all should also be a go-to resource. And then, of course, if you are active in sales enablement communities, what you will also find over time is that there are different sales enablers out there with different areas of expertise and specialization. And if you network in the sales enablement space, which is something that I recommend you never stop doing because sales enablers are such a social bunch and um, are always open to networking. I think it's worthwhile to actually connect with sales enablers that have ex specialist expertise in certain areas and really talk to them and try and gain insights about uh, their areas. That's another valuable resource that should also stop you from reinventing the wheel and gathering the intelligence that you need to really successfully implement things that other people have already solved. And then, of course, when you think about general methodology, consulting methodologies, project me management uh, methodologies, information about adult learning and uh, stakeholder management, there's a lot of resources out there that might not be sales enablement specific. But you can certainly rely on those to, to, to sharpen the axe, so to speak, and gain, gain skills that are transferable across different areas and might not be sales enablement specific, but are certainly applicable to the skills that require to effectively enable sales. All right, let's take a look at the last one. Um, in one organization that I worked in, I coined the term master of disaster. I think it came out of the, the Mad Max movies, but I applied it to the company executive or sales leader who constantly overreacts to the last thing that went wrong. And then they derail all these good plans that are in place with some kind of a forced left turn. We all got to go over here. It reminds me a lot of um, when, it, when my stepdaughter was growing up, she played uh, peewee soccer. And when the girls were young enough, they had no concept of position on the field. Wherever the ball rolled, all these ponytails were following it. And I see that a lot in organizations. Something, something goes wrong, and this master of disaster takes all the ponytails in, in that direction. If you, there's a great saying, if you fail to plan, if you plan to fail. Enablement needs a great charter. 
And by the way, we call it a sales enablement charter today. I used to just call it my department's strategic and uh, plan and tactical plans. But you need a great charter with the people that you're going to collaborate with cross-functionally. You need to get alignment. You need to put smart plans in place. You need to execute with discipline. All of that to stay on track requires top-down support because you need focus. A friend of mine used to, used to quote someone, I don't know where it came from, but he says, focused attention beats brilliance every time. Yeah, so I think he touches on so many uh, topics there, but I think the concept of focus breeds, what does he say? Consistent focus beats brilliance every time. I think that is so true, and I think that's why it's so hard to to execute successfully. Everybody can come up with a fancy strategy, but when it comes to the ex actual execution, that's where you uh, separate the the average um, organizations and the average sales, sales enablers from the top ones. And I think that comes down to that idea that has been captured in the book called From Good to Great. And in that book, they talk about the 20 mile march and they talk about that organizers really stay on track and move forward into the direction that they've determined no matter what and are already consistent in their approach and continue to move forward. Those organizations uh, really are separate and separate themselves from the rest of the market. And the master of disaster behavior is something that I'm all too familiar with from previous roles where I worked in corporate environments. Just one anecdote that I want to share in that regard. I was in a, in a middle management level, so I was just underneath the senior executives um, in my department. And there was this, there was this attempt to formalize a strategy for the department to be super transparent about it. And each month, the senior executive team would essentially in the national sales meeting, which was a sales meeting combining or a platform for all the salespeople across the country, the senior executive of leadership would essentially share the um, initiatives, what sort of progress they have made and how they would rate themselves against those. And yeah, I thought it was a bit of a disaster because uh, what you saw, saw them do, like I had a bit of a behind the scenes uh, view of those initiatives and what the senior executive leadership was actually doing in that regard. And what you saw was uh, that they were constantly distracted uh, by other things. And then just before the meeting came around where they would share their progress and essentially rate themselves and their their degree of success in those initiatives that they would just scramble to do something and uh, so they could give themselves a good grade and i think that again came down to a focus and it's quite obvious that those initiatives didn't make a great impact for the company because there wasn't a lot of emphasis put put on those initiatives and not a lot of focus and i think that's a that's a very common problem especially in sales environments where there's so much going on there's uh, so much attention required on what's happening right now and there's a lot of discipline required to maintain strategic focus if you're able to create that sort of focus within the organization that you have an unbelievable competitive advantage i strongly believe and i think that can be achieved in a few ways i think kpis are one way to do that and regular review of those kpis across initiatives is something that should be part um, of the actual implementation i think that the opposite way would be not to have kpis in place and then just use anecdotal information to review the progress or the success of certain initiatives 
that's that can't be measured that's not tangible that uh, doesn't hold anybody accountable and i think the opposite of that would be to really engage all the stakeholders that you need have those kpis in place and then have regular scheduled reviews of the progress in those different areas together with the sponsor of your sales enablement initiative if you have senior executive sponsorship which is one of the the crucial factors in creating that alignment internally. And those people should be part of the conversation to make sure that there's really a reason for people to get their act together, drive those KPIs beyond just the business success, but also the, the accountability that comes with having somebody senior involved in those conversations. That's one of the ways I would always suggest um, you stay on track. And then, of course, um, also not... Um, biting off more than you can chew. If you work on 10 different initiatives, that's, that's a guarantee to for you to really lose focus unless you have an extremely well-resourced team. I think doing fewer things uh, really well and then sequentially working through the different initiatives that you have in your pipeline, I think that's a better way than uh, trying to solve all the uh, problems of the world in one go with, with a thousand sales enablement initiatives. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's all from the Mike Kunkel episode for now. Again, I would highly recommend uh, you listen to that. I think uh, it was one of the favorite interviews uh, of mine this year on the state of sales enablement. For somebody like me running a podcast, sales, uh, the, the, the episodes are like children. It's hard to have a favorite, but I think Mike Kunkel is uh, such an amazing sales enabler and educator, I think, in that space. I think that's that's really clear in the way he really succinctly and engagingly shares his insights. So I would highly recommend you listening in. And just, we have also a, a few other episodes coming up in the coming weeks that I would always uh, also recommend. So we've got uh, Skip Miller coming up next week. He's one of the top um, uh, sales trainers in Silicon Valley. And then we have a few best of episodes from this year coming up, including Ro Roderick Jefferson, Chamara Schenk. I mentioned both of them earlier, both great sales enablers and authors. So we'll, uh, we'll republish those episodes and we are also going to republish Joe Marone, who's also a sales trainer from the East Coast in the US, specialized in IT services and his smart sales method. Also one of my favorite conversations from the year. So lots of podcast goodness coming your way in the coming weeks. Now, I also briefly wanted to touch on the on the research that I mentioned that Seismic has, has shared last week. And let's take a look at it. So first of all, I think, again, like I, th I think it's a good uh, research piece. I definitely recommend you checking it out. I think it's just one thing to be wary of is that, so they, first of all, I'm really impressed with the sample size. So they interviewed and surveyed over 1,000 people. So that's, that's an amazing uh, number in the sales enablement space. But they specifically interviewed... Um, businesses with at least $10 million in annual revenue and 50 sellers or more. So that's obviously, especially in an Australian context, quite a large uh, business. So I think something that's not considered there is those uh, smaller organizations that are practicing sales enablement and can benefit from sales enablement. So that's that would just be my, my one caveat for this one. But obviously, it makes sense uh, from a seismic point of view. That's the target market. But yeah, just... Uh, something to be aware of they have structured their research in a way that they have essentially created those different maturity levels uh, of sales enablement so laggards being at the bottom of the maturity level with sales enablement being defined as something quite ad hoc 
informal processes and focusing primarily on the sales function with a limited go-to-market tech stack. And then on the other end of the scale, they have the visionaries where they say sales enablement is a strategic priority across all customer facing teams with an executive level champion and consumer investment and a robust, well-integrated code go-to-market tech stack with seamless data sharing insights are used to power and scale best practices across the organization. So yeah, I think it's a robust way to, to define maturity. And um, they use those both ends of the scale consistently to actually look at the data and the differences in performance. And let's take a look at a few of the data points. So one data point they mentioned is the, the go-to-market technologies in use, and they compare legates and visionaries. And one of the key, there's a slight difference between all the areas that they mentioned, but the, the one area where there's really a real big uh, difference is the sales content solution where Leggett's, <clears throat> where that's um, only in 21% uh, of the cases for Leg or for Leggett's the case, and uh, for Visionaries, it's 81%. I think that's just a very significant difference and really a reflection of the, of the significance of content in the modern bu uh, B2B buyer journey and uh, really something that's that's consistent across a lot of research that I've come across. So yeah, a sales content solution. I think the effective usage of sales content is really, is really something worth empowering with tech. And sales organizations that don't have that in place uh, really rely on their sellers to uh, do the curation and to really be able to find those content pieces that they need. And yeah, I think that's problematic unless you have a team of very senior sellers with really a high value deals. That's typically where you have subject matter knowledge and familiarity with the content available in place, where it doesn't really justify having a sales content uh, solution from a tech point of view in place. But for everybody else, it really makes sense. Def definitely makes sense from that point of view. Another data point that I also wanted to call out is the the significance of a well-integrated tech stack. So 70% of visionaries have a well-integrated tech stack and then the runner-up has only 38%. So I think that's really crucial in the context of crafting a holistic buyer experience. And that's also related to a data point that was mentioned in the CSO Insights survey that was talking about having the CRM as a central reference point. It's really crucial and that the best performing organizations really make a deliberate effort to integrate with the CRM in an effort to uh, provide an integrated custom experience. So I think that's that data point is also a reflection of that. I think if you use point solution to solve point problems, you are really not setting yourself up for success, not in the moment and um, also not strategically. So uh, that from that point of view, uh, that data point uh, definitely makes sense. Now, the next one uh, that I wanted to mention was the, and that I found quite interesting, was the percentage of quota attainment by sales organization in the past fiscal year. And the visionaries had a an average of 121% quota attainment, which is quite, quite significant, obviously. So they've smashed their quota, but then it's actually after that it's not looking too bad which i found quite surprising so the the runners up the performers they had a 109% quota attainment so still exceeded their quota novices had a 106% quota attainment and then the laggards have only missed their quota by 3% with 97% i think that's quite interesting one thing that will be interested in that 
context would be how long those organizations have been practicing sales enablement. Because I certainly think that the benefits that you reap from sales enablement would certainly crystallize more and would become more prominent over time. Yeah, it would be interesting to know how long those visionaries have been practicing sales enablement and how many initiatives they've been implemented and and so on. So I think, yeah, I think that data point uh, would probably deserve a bit more context. And I'm also surprised that the laggards didn't really miss their quotas quarter by month. So yeah. It would be interesting to have more context around that. Then the next data point, I also wanted to take a look at what's the customer satisfaction. And I think this one is a really interesting one and also a reflection of the long game that you're playing with sales enablement. And a quota is something very immediate and a real immediate tangible reflection of uh, sales performance. But customer satisfaction is something that is a benefit more in the long run, because uh, especially when you think about word of mouth and referrals, I think customer uh, satisfaction is really something that can become a a benefit in the long run. And uh, the data point here states, respondents reporting uh, their rate in the top percent of their industry and customer satisfaction in terms of net promoter score. Visionaries had a 43% uh, rating here, and then the runners-up only 25%, and it goes downhill from there. I think that customer satisfaction data point is really a indication of the the buyer experience and the the buyer centricity that you are able to achieve with sales enablement. And again, something that you probably reap the benefits from in the long run and see those benefits more in terms of renewal rates, referrals, and growth of the the customer account. Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting data point that, from my point of view, really speaks to the buyer experience that is being created through sales enablement. All right. I'm glad that you have been able to join. If you did, if you listen to the podcast, uh, thank you so much for the support. As I said, um, if you're not subscribed to the the podcast, please make sure you do. We've got a few banger episodes coming up. Definitely worth tuning in. And yeah, if you have any comments or questions, uh, really keen to connect with you on LinkedIn. Felix Kruger of Kruger Marketing, um, if we're not connected yet. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the next live stream. Stay safe and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Considering the recent budget cuts in the enablement space, it is no surprise that in a recent LinkedIn poll, 56% of enablers stated that they plan to increase their ability to create business impact in 2023. I've teamed up with sales enablement legend Mike Kunkel to create a webinar that outlines proven approaches to maximizing enablement's business impact. To watch the seven steps to maximizing enablement's business impact, visit goffwd.com slash impact. That's goffwd.com slash I-M-P-A-C-T.